Welcome to Yoka's Joyful Journey, a multi-potential journey to creative clarity. I'm your host, Yoka Wijn, and we'll be talking to amazing creative people about various topics like multi-potentialism, having many ideas, and shiny objects. You can stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following me on Instagram at the underscore green underscore nick. Thank you for listening. Today we will be talking to Tara Leslie, fine artist and creative coach. Hi, Tara. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good too. So lovely to have you here. Mm, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. So tell us, who are you? What do you do? And do you have a big, scary, hairy goal? <laughs> well, as you know, my name's Tara. I come from Australia, particularly I'm living in Outback Australia right now um, in a very small town. Um, and I would say I am a mixed media fine artist mm-hmm. and also a creative coach. Um, and my big, hairy, scary goal is to live, to live a creative life making the art I love whilst helping other artists to do the same. Oh, I love that. I got goosebumps when you said that. Oh, <laughs> thank you. And how, how's that going with the big, scary, hairy goal? Yeah, look, as with anything, I think anything worthwhile takes time. So it's mm. a slow burn, but I am currently in the process of creating a workshop to help blocked creatives reach creative unblock. So that's in the process and I'm building yeah. that as we speak. And I will be launching that February, March next year. Oh, how exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really Ooh. exciting. Could you, could you give a little, little sneak preview yeah. of what that would entail? Oh, okay. So maybe I'll run through like some of the modules. Um, so all up, it'll be like a nine week course and mm-hmm. It's not necessarily like a sit down and paint workshop, but it's more anyone who is creative can come to this workshop or has issues being blocked creatively, whether they're former writers or painters or musicians, you know, if they know they're struggling creatively, they can step into this workshop and I will help them move through all of the roadblocks we face when we're feeling creatively blocked. So, you know, like we learn about how to tackle perfectionism and leaning into being uncomfortable creatively, because I think perfectionism is the creativity killer. Um, We learn about our inner critic and our inner creative child and how to identify them. We name and draw them um, and then we have conversations with them. So we learn to tell our inner critic to get lost and we learn to listen to our inner creative child. I teach people how to use play as a means to finding inspiration as like a a self-sustaining cycle of inspiration. You know, so there's there's a lot packed in there. That's a very small snippet of it. But I've sort of tried to distill down all the things a person might be struggling with, with their creative block, and I help them to move through that. Wow. Have you come from your own experience? Absolutely. I think when, when you set out to solve a creative problem, it's often, it's often the problem you faced. So... You know, it was probably about 10 years ago, I found that I just, I wasn't creating. I'd come out of, you know, just some very tough things in life. And I possibly had a few people around me that didn't support me creatively. 
And I stumbled across The Artist's Way. Now, some people may be very familiar with Julia Cameron's work, and she is an absolute, she's an absolute legend. Like, I would never, ever presume to take on Julia Cameron ever. But, you know, just in my experience with Creative Block, I think I can bring, you know, a slightly different perspective to that, my own journey and my own story and help people through in maybe not, not the same way Julia Cameron might, using slightly different language, all that kind of thing. So yeah, I think I am essentially helping myself 10 years ago. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you are being the person you wish you met 10 years ago. Mm, like if, mm. yeah, I suppose, yeah, it would have been great to have known myself 10 years ago. Where yeah. I'm now. And you know, the other thing I think is, you know, like creativity is a daily practice. Mm-hmm. And my goal at the end of this workshop is to help people get back to creating every single day. So, you know, let, let, let's take away the fear of all of that and get them to creating 30 minutes every single day. So towards the end of the workshop, I'm hoping to build like a 30-day challenge where they just have to be creative for 30 minutes. It doesn't necessarily matter what that outcome is, but I think it's just that process of being creative. Mm, sounds really, really thorough and fun and amazing, actually. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that's so exciting. So that's yeah. February. Yes. February. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I have a very special link for um, all of your listeners that if they feel this sounds like them, they can go to this link and I've prepared a few little freebies for them. So they can choose which freebie and what resonates with what problems they're facing. And then they can just get some little glimpses into what this workshop is about. That is so wonderful. Thank you so much for offering that. So people listening, go check out the link in the show notes and explore it. That's amazing. So tell us, you have been creating for basically all your life. Mm -hmm. Would you consider yourself to be a multi-potentialite? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think from... I don't know, like my mum talks about like me drawing from before I could even really like properly write words or anything. Like I think it's, yeah, yeah I, I just look back at my whole life and there's just been this streak of creativity through my life. And then I suppose if I look back at my, my working creative life, I mean, I've done a lot and I've worn a lot of different hats and I was just like listing some of those things today and preparing for our chat and I was like, wow. So I've worked as, I'm trained as a graphic designer and illustrator. So I've worked as a graphic designer and illustrator professionally. Um, I then sort of turned my hand to learning photography and I actually worked as a food photographer for a little while. Um, fine art has always been my first love. And so I've recently come back to doing very, very interesting mixed media portraiture in my fine art practice. And that's sort of something I've fallen in love with all over again because I started doing portraiture many years ago. I mean, at one point I even worked as like a color corrector, like I would take photographs of carpet and color correct photographs of carpet. It was just, it was a, it was a job. I, it paid the bills, but you know, I learned color correcting yeah. along the way. And now in this business that I'm building, you know, I get to do a lot. So I'm, I'm doing my portraiture, which I can do privately as commissions, but eventually I will be teaching that. You know, and then I'm also doing my creative coaching side of things, which, you know, I get to write, I get to do storytelling. And recently I've sort of been teaching myself video editing, because if you want to present these things, it often has to be in the medium of video now on social media. So 
I've sort of done this deep dive into video editing. So wow, this business, yeah, this business I'm building gets to cover a lot of very interesting aspects. And I even pull in like my graphic design and my photography skills into all of that with show, showing this stuff online through social media. So yeah, definitely a multi-potentialite. <laughs> That's amazing. And yeah, it's what you said that you have so many skills uh, through everything that you've done and then you combine them now in your own business, that is. Mm. Mm. Would you feel like that would be the the epitome of your multi-potentialism and all your experiences to combine them all? Yeah, I think, you know, if, if being a multi-potentialite is what you are fundamentally at your core, I think the ideal situation is building a business where you can you can overlap those skills, like you can find the intersection of those skills. So I feel like I am definitely building that business quite intentionally, you know, because at one point I thought, oh, well, maybe I should specialize as, you know, being mm-hmm. like a, a portraiture artist. But, you know, that sort of kind of excludes like my love of educating and, and teaching us, you know, so I think finding a way for all of those things to overlap is the ideal situation for a multi-potentialite. I think we've mm. all been growing up with that idea that you need to specialize in yes. something to run a proper business or, you know, mm-hmm. um, for your career. But I love the idea of when you do specialize, you get the feeling of, oh, but then I cannot really use all the other things that I love to do. And then yeah. And I think there's nothing worse than feeling like you're trapped in a corner. And I think multi-potentialites, it's sort of a blessing and a curse. Like you've really got to... It is, yeah. You've got to figure out how to make this work for you. And yeah, and I think it's quite sad to see if a multi-potentialite specializes, they can often feel like they've left a part of themselves behind yeah. or they're, they're always going to be looking at something else, wondering, oh, I wonder if I should have done that. Yeah. So if you can find a way to bring them all together and offer that like really interesting intersection of all of your interests in your business, if that's what you're doing, building a side business, I think that's ideally what my multi-potentialites, I don't want to say should be doing, but you know, <laughs> try, try and do. <laughs> yeah. Have you had a feeling of being in that corner before you realized you were a multi-potentialite or that this would be good to overlap all your interests. Have you mm. had that experience of, oh, I am now going into this direction only? And if you... And- yeah. I think like maybe at the time when I was like building a food photography business, like I lived in this really cool little city in Australia called Geelong. It's close to Melbourne and there was this like really beautiful food scene happening around the boom of Instagram. And so I sort of just took it upon myself to approach restaurants. I was like, I like food and I like photography. Um, and yeah. I sort of just started showing, you know, these really cool restaurants, what I could do. And they're like, oh, yes, please, we need this. So, but I sort of then found myself just feeling like, oh, but what about my this? And what about right. that? And, you know, so I look at sort of my, my working life and I feel like there's been lots of little side businesses that then sort of, <laughs> you know, life changes and then I sort of pursue something else. And and I don't regret that at all because I've learned so much. Like I taught myself photography and I taught myself at one point I was doing social media management for some of these restaurants. And, you know, so I've learned a lot, but actually now it's so interesting to see how this is all converged into this business that I'm building. And 
and the way I can use everything I've learned right up until now. You're happy? Yeah. Look, I think you've got to understand that building anything is a slow burn. So now that I've truly understood that these things take time, it's not going to happen overnight. Because I think sometimes as a multi-potentialite, you want to see this project suddenly succeed very quickly. I've now understood that the slow burn and giving myself at least five to 10 years for all of this to really fall into place has really shifted my attitude. And now I'm not burning myself out and wearing myself out. And I'm just happy ticking along, working towards, you know, these goalposts that I've set. So I think that shift in attitude has meant I'm a lot happier now with what I'm doing. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. I get Mm -hmm. goosebumps again. It's amazing how you managed to get that difference in mindset. Mm. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things I would say to any multi-potential. If you found a way to utilize the way everything overlaps, just be patient with it. Because when you are doing several things, it takes a long time and you've got to learn. Sometimes you've got to learn technology, you've got to learn technique, you've got to learn a lot of skills. So don't expect it to happen tomorrow. Just be very patient. Be okay with the slow burn. And I think that was a a huge shift for me mentally. So if you have so many ideas and you're doing so many things, how do you deal with those? Like, do you have like like a wave of Mm -hmm. ideas coming or is it also a slow burn of ideas? Well, I'm going to take a slight tangent to answer this question because I've thought about this. At the beginning of this year, I actually got a diagnosis of having ADHD. Now, my theory is that a lot of ADHDers will find themselves in the category of multi-potentialite. And I think with the ADHD brain comes a very interesting cycle. So ADHD brains or let's say ADHD slash multi-potentialite brains And my theory is that they're actually very much the same person in many instances, not all instances, but many. You know, we have these like amazing ideas, like we're such creative thinkers and we have some very interesting takes on things. And and then we sort of get like, oh my gosh, I've got to just do this idea. And, you know, and then like we go into this fervor and you don't see us for a week because we're, we're, you know, we're pursuing (laughs) this idea. And essentially that actually comes down to our, as ADHDers, we lack stimulation and we lack dopamine. And so chasing new ideas and new projects and new passions and interests is actually how we get the dopamine. So yes, I get a huge wave of creative ideas at times. And look, in the past, pre-diagnosis, that actually led to a lot of burnout. And I've spent my whole adult life sort of wondering what this cycle of activity and burnout is. And now it makes a lot of sense in hindsight. When I look back with, you know, the lens of ADHD, I can see it's this very interesting cycle of hyperactivity, burnout, hyperactivity, burnout. So the one thing that has helped, and if any listener is listening and they think, oh, I might have ADHD, I highly encourage someone pursuing that because it, once you get the support, everything changes. Um, for me, I am medicated for it. So I've noticed medicating myself has helped a lot with that, like overwhelm and that, you know, that sort of creative cycle of excitement and burnout. But the other thing I've sort of really found that helps is also just telling myself that just because I choose one idea doesn't mean all other ideas are off the table. 
you know, so like at the end of the day, like we can, we can build our side hustles or do things that intersect and overlap. And that is ideal. But I mean, we literally can't do more than a certain amount of things at once. So we do have to make a decision, whether it's like for the next two hours, I'm going to edit a video. I mean, you can't edit a video and write a script that you just can't, you know, so we are always going to have to make a decision. But the way I sort of help myself cope with making a decision is just tell myself, look, it's okay. All ideas are still on the table. You can come back to this. And I've just found that that takes away the fear of, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get to do it all. You know, it's a bit like you can't wear every single piece of clothing in your wardrobe. You have to choose something for the day, Yeah, but you get to try and nice. clothes. Uh, yeah. I quite like that. I thought of that today and I was like, well, yeah. you know, we might be able to like at most wear three items. I don't know. But like, it doesn't mean we can't come back to the wardrobe. It's all there. We can just wear this today and then wear something else tomorrow. Or yeah, two hours. Ho- <laughs> well, hey, if you're ADHD, yeah. those are the, that's the very, that's the likelihood. You probably will be changing it to hours. <laughs> it's actually why I only wear black most of the times. It's really it's true because then I don't have to think of what to wear so I can use my creative brain for other things. I feel like that's a perfect example of a system. So the other thing I was going to say to help with the overwhelm is systems. So a lot of ADHDers, but let's also say multi-potentialites, might say that systems work really well for them. So for me, I'm a bit of a systems nerd. And I think the reason I like the systems is because it takes the decision out of it and I don't have to decide. So like if I can build a template, I will build a template. If I can have a list for a process, I will have that list. And even like down to my workflow software, I have templates down to my video projects. I have templates down to my social media posts. I have templates. Like I have built so many systems because I can't remember all the steps all the time. But if I have those templates ready to go and I have a file on my computer that is literally copy and paste for every new project, then I, they're ready to go. And I don't have to recreate everything and I don't have to redecide what happens next. I have the list. I have the template. I have the system. I'm wow. ready to go. And I've, I've heard a lot of creative people say that they sort of try to take decisions out of other areas of their life, like whether it's eating the same thing every day or wearing the same thing. I think that's a really good example of systems helping that overwhelm. That is, that's so interesting. Mm. Yeah, love that. So when you have so many ideas and, and you have amazing ways of dealing with, dealing with this sounds like having ideas is actually a bad thing, but it's not. It's, it's mm. really great having those ideas. Um, you say like, okay, we have the ideas that I have in the closet when I want them, I can go get them. Does that help with like feeling uh, FOMO, like feeling left out and your fear of missing out, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Just sort of telling yourself they're there. You can go back to them once you've sort of seen something else through and you've explored something else. And I think the other thing is like taking the fear of time or like or lack of time out of it. You know, I'm a firm believer in having like a bread and butter job whilst you're working on your side, whatever it is, side hustle. I don't like that word, hustle, side business, side project, side business. whatever that is. You know, until that's ready, if if it is a business that you're working on, until that's ready to support you, I think 
there's a wonderful thing in having a side, uh, like a part-time bread and butter job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that sort of takes that time factor out of it. I mean, we should always have some sort of time sensitive goals, but also just telling myself there's time. Like I've got time for this. I, you know, even if it's like, I can get back to this in, you know, a month or once I've seen through this really big create a project like at the moment for me it's my workshop and I know that's going to take me probably right up until April May next year Mm -hmm. but that's okay because I know after April May I'm going to give myself like two to three months of time off and I'm going to spend some time painting because I just am not able to paint right now I just go it's okay like there is time I think we feel so pressured by time and maybe if we can just take that out of it yeah again I think that helps it's the pressure of having to do it all first, first thing, mm. like, it all, and then you feel like you have to do it all today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should have done it yesterday, you know, mm. and, and taking that out and doing it one by one and having the options to be able to switch the ideas yeah. you're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And the other thing I think is also important in deciding what you want to do is like, what excites me the most? You know, it's a bit, again, let's go back to the clothes, you know, illustration. Like what outfit excites me the most to wear today? And it's like, and you'll generally know, like if you've got, you know, two or three options and you really listen to what your, your creative inclination is or what your gut is telling you, like you'll know the one that really sort of sparks that light inside of you. So, you know, listen to the thing that's most exciting for you. And then, because then that's going to give you momentum to keep going as well. I love that. Hmm. So in your own creative journey, what is, would you say, your biggest challenge? Look, I think I touched on it earlier, but I think my biggest challenge has been that, you know, the ADHD, tackling the the pits and falls of that ADHD brain and, you know, the overwhelm that comes with it, or even just the cognitive cloudiness. Um, And now that I am, you know, medicated and getting treatment for it, I can't tell you, it's chalk and cheese. It's such a difference. Mm. And I can really see the clarity that's given me creatively. And, you know, as a result, I feel like I'm not so much on that cycle of hyperactivity and burnout. So I would say creative burnout has been a really big challenge for me. Whereas, and you know, I just, because I'm not thrilled, like I'm not chasing the dopamine in my creative pursuits anymore because I'm literally getting it now. Yeah. I don't have that burnout anymore. So I'd say that's one of the biggest challenges. And then the other challenge I found is actually finishing things. So a lot of multi-potentialites and ADHDs, I think, would say they they struggle with finishing something because it's yeah. like, oh, here's another shiny project object. or object. Mm. Yeah, shiny object syndrome. However, what I can say is that, you know, it's like, again, let's use an analogy. It's like climbing a mountain. It's a really big effort to get to the top of that mountain. But oh my goodness, the view is amazing and it is worth it. Yeah. You know, so my theory is that if you can actually train yourself, like finishing something is actually a skill and it's a skill that needs to be learned. If you can learn that skill, there is a lot of dopamine waiting at the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and there's there's a lot of stuff out there about finishing. And I think sometimes it's like, 
you know, we get the excitement of a project and then we go, oh my gosh, I hate this. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, yeah. there's a lot of research out there about that creative process. Mm-hmm. But if you can just trust the process and sort of build your skills in leaning into the uncomfortable, I call it the discomfort zone. Mm. And let's say it's like it's that burn climbing up that mountain. Like, right. But if you can just push through that, the sense of achievement that you can get at the end of that is just so worth it. And there's so much dopamine waiting for you there. And then as a result, it's a muscle you've built and you go, oh my gosh, I know how to do this. And then you learn to trust yourself. Like you, you know, you can rely on you seeing through a project because you've done it once. You can do it again and again. Yeah. So I would say really learning that that's been a challenge to learn. And it's only in the last few years, I feel like I've really learned that. And I'd, I would, you know, put the challenge out there to any multi-potentialite who struggles with finishing something, just push through it, lean into it, being uncomfortable finish it and just see how you feel at the end of it that's so cool Mm. yeah so we talked about uh, shiny objects or shiny project syndrome you also felt like imposter syndrome yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) look not so much in my fine art practice because I feel like I've got to a level of skill that I think the work speaks for itself Mm. and I, I really spent a lot of time developing my own style and my own technique it's a very unique methodology and I think when you because they're mixed media portraits so like the portraits themselves are very fine and very realistic but then I use all sorts of very interesting mixed media elements around the portraits and you know if people want to check out my website and see the work I do I think they'll understand what I mean your work so, is amazing so oh thank you your, yeah it's it's gorgeous yeah so you know like I spent a long time I spent a long time working out that methodology, but with the creative coaching, I've done this process myself, but now I have to prove that I can take other people through this process. Yes. And you can, because you're amazing. Thank you. Well, hopefully like if I'm leading, you know, myself 10 years ago through this, then I can bring anyone else through this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So cool. So where can people find you? Well, I'll give you all the details below, but, you know, I'm on Instagram and I am in the infancy of building a community and a channel on YouTube. And yeah, leading up to the launch of my workshop, I am going to be sharing some very interesting videos about being a critic and, you know, facing fear of the blank page and finding inspiration. So check out, you know, my YouTube video and subscribe and those will be coming out you know, in a little while. And you can find my website at Tara Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E dot com. And you'll see all the things over there too. Right. So cool. Well, and they will all be in the show notes. Mm. So you speak about the community. We've met through Instagram. Yeah. What, what do you think of the creative community online mostly? Or off? Well, Actually, one of the things I tackle in my upcoming workshop is how to surround yourself with creative allies and how to conquer your creative foes. So I think it's so important that we surround ourselves with people who support us creatively. I think there are always going to be people who don't understand what it's like to be creative or don't support the arts in any way. So I think we have to surround ourselves with people that understand that and support us. So, yeah, you know, whether, whether that's online or whether that's offline, 
built that network, you know, so I've got a handful of artists that I talk to on Instagram and, you know, we, we chat whenever we're struggling with something or creative problems. Um, and I think likewise, find people, you know, within your community or whatever that looks like that can be your champions, even if maybe they're not like as creative as you or doing the same thing. But we need like someone who's going to cheer us on and champion us, yeah. you know, whether that's our mum or our friend or our teacher or I don't know. Yeah. And the other anyone. thing I would say is, yeah, anyone and get a creative mentor, whether that's in a paid capacity or an unpaid capacity. So at the moment I have a creative mentor and, you know, she's like a business coach as well. And I wish I had done that sooner, you know, and so many artists and creative have so much to share and they don't mind sharing this stuff because like, again, they probably want to like help themselves 10 years ago. So yeah, find a creative mentor in whatever capacity that is, like someone who's five to 10 years ahead of you or even six months ahead of you. Yeah. And just say, hey, look, I, I need a mentor. Or I just want someone who can help me. And, you know, I suspect maybe you've been through some things that I have. So yeah, definitely surround yourself with creative friends and creative allies as well. Yeah, it's, it's good to be surrounded by people and have guidance where you would like to have guidance and sometimes you don't even know that you want the guidance or that you need it mm -hmm. yeah. yeah I agree with that sometimes it's hard to say okay I I actually need help or you know it's it's not easy for everybody to do yeah and that's probably where there's a bit of an intersection of mental health and creative mm -hmm. health as well I think our mental health feeds into our creative health and vice versa I actually firmly believe that creative people have to be creative. Otherwise it's actually really dangerous. Like it's not good for them to not be creative. Yes. So yeah, I think, yeah, reaching out to people on both fronts for mental health and creative health is really important. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I love that, that you're mentioning that. Mm. So do you have a quote for us? Yes. I actually have two mm -hmm. because, you know, being multi-potential, I couldn't decide. <laughs> So a little while ago, I found myself saying, we can do hard things if we remain gently consistent. Mm. So it's like, it's again, coming back to that whole, just chipping away at something and keep, keep on keeping on with it, but with sort of a gentleness to it, gentle consistency. And the other thing I find creatives often need to hear is lean into the unfamiliar until it becomes familiar. Ooh. Yeah. So that's all about leaning into feeling uncomfortable and a little bit like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't like it. And, you know, just taking that perfectionism out of it, lean into it. And eventually you will know what you're doing. This takes time. Thank you so much. You are so that welcome. It's been such a joy to have this chat. It has been. Everybody go check out the show notes. And if you want to get creative with the quotes, because they are amazing, you don't have to choose. You can do them both. <laughs> we would love to see that. And as Tara said, she has amazing freebies. I've had a sneak peek at them and they are wonderful. So go check that out. Tara, thank you so, so much for being here. It was wonderful. Thank you, you okay. We will see each other soon. Yes, we will. All right. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Yelpa's Joyful Journey. If you loved this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I can't wait to hang out with you again soon.